Imagine it's the middle of a hot summer and you are going to the beach with your family. You grab the towels from the closet and jam them into a large striped bag. As you lug the bag outside, you grab your water bottle filled with ice. Lots of ice. You set the bag of towels and your water bottle on the front porch next to a pile of chairs. Then you and your siblings fly around, putting on bathing suits and grabbing sunscreen, hats, and sand toys. Your mom is packing a giant picnic to eat at the beach. This usually includes fruit and some special tasty treats to celebrate Christmas. You will all walk to the beach since you live so close to the shore, like most of the people who live in Australia. You and your siblings always look forward to celebrating Christmas Day with family at the beach. Even though it's December 25th, it's hot. Christmas always occurs in the middle of summer down under. You have always been confused about what snowmen and reindeer sleighs have to do with Christmas time, but that's just the way it is. You call out to your mom. Grandma just called from Nashville. They have snow right now, and it's not even Christmas Day there yet. Isn't that wild? It's fun to be connected to family in a different time zone and a different hemisphere. So we are in the Southern Hemisphere? What does hemisphere mean anyway? Great question. Hemisphere means half of a sphere, and a sphere is the shape of a ball. Half of the earth usually divided into northern and southern halves by the equator. So the United States, Europe, and Asia are all in the northern hemisphere. Australia, most of South America, and Antarctica are all in the Southern Hemisphere. You nod your head and bolt out the door. Everyone is waiting to walk over to the beach to celebrate. You think about your grandmother sitting by a warm fire while you are standing under the warm sun. What a funny thing. It's winter there right now, while in Australia, it's the middle of summer. The word solstice is derived from the Latin word sol, meaning sun, and sistere, which means to stand still, because at the solstices, the sun appears to stand still, that is, the seasonal movement of the sun's daily path, as seen from us on Earth, pauses at a northern and southern limit before reversing direction. So, in a way, solstice means sun standing. You are listening to Naturalist Kids Podcast, where we bring the stories of nature to life to encourage you in your quest to learn more about this great world. I'm your host, Joy Cherick, and today I'm joined by Reagan, age 11. If you love our podcast and want to see more episodes like this one about how the sun makes the seasons, please consider supporting us through our Patreon site, patreon.com slash naturalistkids. There you will find transcripts, nature study lessons, and additional resources to go with each episode. This is episode one of season two. 
This episode corresponds with Nature Study Hacking Stars and Skies. Nature Study Hacking teaches families how to get outside and use a nature journal. Head over to naturestudyhacking.com to learn more. Let us consider for a moment what the sun is like. What is it? The sun is a star. It is the closest star to the earth. It rises in the morning and gives us light and warmth. It helps everything from trees and bugs to horses and lizards live and grow. When it sets in the evening, it leaves darkness behind. The sun is essential to life on earth. Essential means we can't live without it. How do we know anything about it at all, being that it is 93 million miles away? We read about Galileo Galilei, who invented the first telescope. He was alive during the early 1600s, around the time the first pilgrims came over to America. He used his telescope to see the craters on the moon and observed the moons around Jupiter. As he studied the paths of the planets with his telescope, he used mathematics to strengthen his belief in Copernicus's theory that Earth and all other planets revolve around the sun. Most people in Galileo's time believed that the Earth was the center of the universe and that the sun and planets revolved around it. Yeah, at that time, everyone believed that all celestial objects revolved around the Earth. It was considered heresy to say that the earth revolved around the sun. Some people were even sentenced to death for saying that there might be a different theory. That sounds crazy to us now. The shortest day of the year is called the winter solstice. On this day... The night is much longer, and the sun is only out for a short period of time. I remember when I lived in Wisconsin, I would go to work in the dark and come home in the dark. The sun set at 4.30 p.m. in the middle of winter. The further north you live in the northern hemisphere, the shorter the days get in the winter. Many children who live in these areas wake up on cold mornings when it's still dark outside. That would make me want to stay in bed. Because the Earth orbits around the sun at a slight angle, the sun shines differently depending on the time of year. In the northern hemisphere, during the winter solstice, sunlight hits that part of the Earth at a shallow angle. This makes the short days and longer nights. As you move to spring, day and night become about equal in length. During summer, the North Pole is tipping toward the sun. This allows for more direct sunlight to hit the Northern Hemisphere. As we heard in the opening story, when the United States, which is in the Northern Hemisphere, is experiencing winter weather, at the same time, Australia, which is in the Southern Hemisphere, is in the throes of summer. Over the course of our studies of animals, we've run into several that are affected by the sun in ways we were very surprised. We will share two of them here. The first is horses. 
Horses' coats change from a sleek, smooth fur in the summer to a thick, shaggy fur in the winter to help protect them from the cold. The biggest factor triggering a horse's winter coat is the declining amount of light due to shorter fall days. As these days become shorter, the reduction of light causes the horses to begin more production of melatonin, which promotes additional coat growth. Horses in the north with shorter days produce more melatonin. The result of this is that most horses naturally grow a coat that is suitable for their climate. Sunlight also affects a horse's reproductive cycle. The next animal that we discovered are affected by the sun are chickens. Similar to the horse, the amount of daylight hours affects a chicken's reproductive cycle. Hens will begin laying when the amount of daylight reaches 14 hours per day during early spring. Maximum egg laying will occur when the day length reaches 16 hours per day. This biological marvel is perfectly designed so that chicks hatch in the spring and develop and mature during the warmer summer months. This also means that if you have egg-laying chickens, when the days are shorter, they may not produce eggs for you over the short winter days. The use of artificial lighting is a common practice to increase egg production in laying hens. Do you know of any other animals who are affected by the sun? Head over to our Patreon page and let us know. The winter solstice is also known as the hibernal solstice, like when bears hibernate, or midwinter. We enjoy long nights reading stories in front of our Christmas tree, playing games, and drinking hot chocolate. Though it doesn't snow much where we live, we sometimes get one good snow, enough to play in. One of our favorite poems for this time of year is by our fellow nature lover named Christina Rossetti. In the Bleak Midwinter by Christina Rossetti. In the bleak midwinter, frosty winds may moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow. In the bleak midwinter, long ago. Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed. The Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Enough for him whom cherubim worship night and day, breast full of milk and a manger full of hay. Enough for him whom angels fall before, the ox and the ass and camel which adore. Angels and archangels may have gathered there, cherubim and seraphim thronged the air, but his mother only in her maiden bliss worshipped the beloved with a kiss. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give my heart. We live in a part of Tennessee where the Cherokee used to live and farm before the Trail of Tears drove them out. 
the Trail of Tears actually started right where we hike and explore each week. Though some of the history is heartbreaking, the stories and innovations of Cherokee are inspiring. There are still areas set apart where we can learn about how they use the local vegetation as food and medicine. We love dreaming about the people who lived in this very place long before grocery stores and interstate roads dotted the land. So when we found this Cherokee folktale of how they explain why the trees lose their leaves, we wanted to share it with you. A folktale is a story passed from one generation to the next by word of mouth. We enjoy them because they are a fun way to learn about how another culture thinks about the world. We found it interesting that the Cherokee don't believe in the God of the Bible. They do seem, though, to believe in a creator. Check it out. Why the Trees Lose Their Leaves A Cherokee Folktale In the early times, the trees and animals were always able to talk to one another. They lived close to each other and shared many things, but every year, the cold time came and the birds would fly south to where it remained warm and would return to their families in the spring when the warm season returned. One year, as the cold season approached, Sparrow was injured. He would not be strong enough to fly to the warm lands with his family by himself, so he made his family fly south to the warm lands without him. Injured, he knew he would not survive the cold season, so he sought the help of the trees. He approached Oak. Oh, Oak, I'm injured and cannot fly. The season approaches, and if I do not find shelter before then, surely I shall die. Please, Oak, let me shelter among your leaves and branches during the cold times, that I may heal and greet my family on their return in the spring. But Oak was a crusty old tree and did not relish the idea of having a guest in the cold time. So he told Sparrow, Sparrow, go find somewhere else to spend the cold time. I do not wish you to spend the cold time with me. And poor Sparrow was hurt in his spirit to be turned away. So Sparrow went to Maple and asked her, Maple, I am hurt and not able to fly in the warm lands with my family for the cold season. Please let me shelter among your leaves and branches during the cold time or surely I will perish. And Maple, though a very sweet tree, did not enjoy the thought of a guest for the cold time. And she, too, turned Sparrow away. You, you go ask someone else to shelter you, Sparrow. I do not wish to spend the cold time with you. And again, hurt in spirit, Sparrow was turned away. Sparrow went in turn to each of the trees and asked each for shelter in the cold time. And each and every time, Sparrow was turned away until there was no tree left to ask except Pine. With no hope left, but not willing to accept death, Sparrow approached Pine. Pine, I am injured and not able to fly south to the warm lands with my family. If I do not find shelter before the cold time, I will surely perish. Please, let me shelter among your leaves and branches during the cold time. Pine thought to himself, 
I am the least of the trees. What can I do? But his heart heard Sparrow's plight. Sparrow, my leaves are tiny. More like needles, my branches are not as many as other trees. But what I have, you are welcome to share. And so Sparrow spent the cold time with Pine, and when the warm times returned in the spring, Sparrow's family returned also, and Sparrow healed over the cold time and flew to greet their return. Creator had seen and heard all that had happened between Sparrow and the trees, and Creator called a great council of the trees and spoke to them. You who were given so much who had so much, would not share the least of what you had with Sparrow in his need. Because of this, from this day forward, when the cold time is upon the land, your leaves shall wither and die and blow away. Creator then spoke to Pine. Pine, you who had the least of all the trees gave so much, have touched my spirit. When the cold times come, you of all the trees shall keep your leaves. They shall remain green through all the seasons for the gift you have given me through Sparrow. That is why, to this day, that when the cold time comes to the land, all the leaves wither and die and blow away, except for pine. <laughs> Thanks for joining us as we explored how the sun makes the seasons today. Did you learn anything new? We'd love to hear from you. Please leave a review in iTunes. It will help other budding naturalists find our show. We will leave you with a quote by Charlotte Mason from her book, Parents and Children, page 261. Let us before all things be nature lovers. Intimate acquaintance with every natural object within his reach is the first and possibly the best part of a child's education. For himself, all his life long, he will be soothed by the breathing balm, the silence and calm of mute, insensate things. Mm -hmm.